like this, don't come on a box score. Keenan with the kale, just give me the rock more. Weather off the glass, nothing but the net. I'ma get you set, pick and roll, we can go with the whole four. Dick Vitel, look at diaper dandy. NCAA with the great Andy. Hey man, y'all already know it is your boy Cameron ripping the popular demand podcast and I'm ripping the Phoenix Suns Western 2021 Western Conference champions. Got my jacket on for good look going on game one tonight and we taking the series. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's a long time coming, baby. Man, look, look. I've been a, so I've been a Suns fan since I would say, uh, I would say since I was eight. I'm trying to remember what year it was because the the year I became a Suns fan was the year that I know it was the year that we were in the Western. It, it was either the Western Conference Finals or the Semis when we played Kobe that year, and I think we were up like three two in that series, and Kobe just went berserk in like game six and seven. And just put us out. At that point in my life, I began to hate Kobe, and I fell in love with the Suns because, like, I initially started liking them. My favorite color was orange when I was a kid. We were rocking the orange jerseys in the playoff game, and I was like, "Dang, those jerseys are cold." Then I saw Steve Nash, and I was like, "Oh, this is my team. Like, this is my boy. Like, dribbling around. Like, who is it? Who is this short white dude dribbling around all these seven foot dudes out here?" So definitely, uh, that's when I became a Suns fan. We've been bad for a while, and Finally, back at the top of the mountain, got my boy CP3. He came over. He said, reason I came is that light-skinned dude over there. The light-skinned dude's been giving them buckets. Uh, Chris Paul's been giving them buckets. But, yeah, man, you know, long time coming for sure. Yeah, I used to like the songs when I was a kid growing up, too. I had um, Amari Poster on my wall back in the day. <laughs> I used to love playing with him and Steve on the uh, Yeah. Like, yeah, pick and, pick and roll was lethal, lethal. But the thing is, it went all the all the matters that went in when it counted. So you know. So how so yeah, when that yeah. Chris Paul trade came through? How did you feel? What you, uh, what you say? What you say in the group chat? So, so I'm gonna be honest with you. After after I saw what he did with OKC last season, when they were projected to finish like last in the conference with him, and he they he took them all the way. I think it was the fifth or the sixth seed last year. Oh, I actually think it may may have been like the fourth seed. I don't know because I think they had like quote unquote home court in the bubble. But like I think they I think they like uh I think they were one of the top four seeds last year. And I remember I remember specifically when the trade came through. Because my friend is, I also have a best friend that's a Suns fan. And he was like, I don't know, man. We gave up a lot for Chris Paul, that massive contract. And we lost Rubio. And we lost Kelly Oubre. He was a big Oubre dude. So he was like, we gave up a lot. I was like, bro, do you not see what he just did in OKC? This man is going to come. We just went 8-0 in the bubble. We were barely outside the playoffs. He's going to come, and we're going to be at least the top four seed. I was like, because think about it. You look at Booker. You look at Aiden. Both of those players are better than anybody. Maybe you could argue Shay, Shai Gibson, Alexander, but no, both of those players are, are are better, in my opinion, than anybody that was on Thunder last year. So I was like, it, we're easily a top four seed. And then the season started playing out, and then I was like, man, we like really good. And then we started actually battling for the one seed, and I was like, dang, like 
I didn't see all this coming. But yeah, when I saw the trade go through, I was like, we got us, we got us a chance right now to be a really good team. And I was about to make the playoffs in the bubble if uh, Memphis, no, if Portland would have lost one of those. Man, let me tell you, it's crazy. I was so I was uh watching. So we had won all of our games, and the only game that mattered was the it was the Brooklyn Nets versus the Trailblazers. That was a, that was like the last game before the playoffs, and it was like Trailblazers lose here, Suns get to go to the play-in game. We played the Grizzlies; they were the eight seed. They won a downward spiral. Jaron Jackson had gotten hurt, and then we were like, you know, we we couldn't lose at that point. So at that point, uh, I was like, all right, all Karis LeVert got to do was go out here, have a good game. Like he had been having in the bubble. And Damian Lillard, you know, just kind of cool off a little bit. Dame did not cool off. And Karis LeVert had a game. He had a chance to hit a game-winning shot. All they needed was a two to get to overtime. But I guess since they knew, like, we already had our playoff spot locked up, he took a three. And he was like, we either winning or we going home. You know, we either winning or we losing this game. We still got in the playoffs. He took a three. If I were a Brooklyn Nets fan, I would have been happy. But, I mean, it didn't matter. But since I was a Suns fan, I was super mad at Karis LeVert. But as of right now, you know, uh, I'm, I mean, we, I was chilling about it. I was kind of sad we didn't make it. But, you know. Well, I had you on the Dark Horse this season. Yeah. What should I be down for y'all? Y'all, it's on y'all way then. And see, that's what, and see, my, and then I'm gonna go back to my friend. He, he has definitely had like a pessimistic out view on us. Like, he, we've been let down for so long to the point where now, like, whenever, whenever anything goes right, we're basically waiting on something to go wrong. But like, uh, he was like, I was telling him, I was like, bro, if we make it past the Lakers in the first round, it's nobody that, it's nobody else that we could, that we could beat in the Western Conference. And honestly, unless the Nets come out of the East, it's nobody we can't beat in the East either. I'm like, we could really win a ring this year. Once we, once AD went down and we and we actually beat the Lakers, like those three straight games where we beat the Lakers, I was like, it's nothing stopping us from winning a ring at this point. And he was like, oh no, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, watch. And we went through, swept, swept the MVP, even though you know they were down Jamal Murray, but you know, swept the MVP, and then got the Clippers. They pulled some Clipper stuff, tried to come back from an 0-2 deficit, but you know, still we got we got that. So yeah, I mean, I've been I've been saying this ever I've been saying this ever since the first round that if we could get past the Lakers, we could at least make it to the finals. But I mean, we're here now and I think we got a pretty we're we're the favorite in, you know, betting odds or whatever, but I think we got a good chance of winning. You know, that's just my opinion. Yeah. I thought y'all in the Suns were gonna be like the seven games. It's like during that whole series, every time they made a run, even Booker, Chris Paul would go hit like mm-hmm. five straight bitties. Yeah. In a deficit, like two minutes. <laughs> Bro, and it's so crazy. Like people, people, I think last year in the bubble, people started realizing just how good Booker was. But like people don't realize how skilled of a player that man is. It's like, you, it's not, it's not any, it's not many players in the NBA today. I would say maybe KD, I mean, you, maybe his teammate Chris Paul, but like, it's very few players that got a better mid-range pull-up than he has in today's NBA. And like, when, and like, you know how a lot of, a lot of times, a lot of people criticize LeBron and people criticize like, you know, 
players like I guess Dwight back in his prime, but like a lot of different players, they got criticized because in the clutch they didn't have like a go-to shot. You can look at Booker right now, and he got a go-to shot for the rest of his career because he can hit that mid-range pull-up. So like, yeah, like I mean, we we got we got something we got some cooking in Phoenix. I don't know how how long this stretch can last. I don't know you know, how things would be different if injuries weren't the thing, but no injuries are part of the game. So I don't really take anything away from our run. But uh yeah, I mean that we are we are we're looking super lethal right now. I'm I I haven't been this happy and this excited as a Suns fan in a long time, bro. I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm happy I go on record as saying Booker might have like a, a top five deepest like bag in the league for real for real. Oh uh, really and then like K D, Kyrie. Yeah. Him, maybe you could I, argue like I put like Tatum in there, maybe. Yeah, Tatum, Tatum definitely got like, especially when he dropped that. Uh, I think it was the fifty in the play-in game, and then I yeah. think he had fifty again against the Nets in the first round. I definitely say he got a nice, he got a, he got a nice bag, and maybe, maybe we could throw like Dame in there, you know, players like that. But like, and like, like you said, in terms of like actually being able to like break a defender down and get their own shot, Booker Booker's definitely in that in that higher echelon without a I doubt. Watching, I was watching that Lakers series; they was like throwing a house at you like every possession. Mm-hmm. And man, just hit like a couple of crossovers, yeah, fade into a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and you know, a lot of people. I I don't personally, I don't like it, but a lot of people have been making the comparison. Oh, Booker can be the next Kobe. You heard Stephen A. Smith saying, coming out of saying that. I don't, I don't really like the comparison now because there's a lot to put on him so so early on in his career. I get it, but the reason I get why people are making that comparison is because the degree of difficulty of the shots that he's making is like next level. Like you don't see guys being able to do that very often. Like where you can turn basically any shot that could possibly be a bad shot into a, into a shot you don't mind them taking. Like Steph Curry, like like not I'm not saying he got Steph Curry range or nothing like that. But like Steve Kerr go out there and let Steph Curry take any shot because no shot is a bad shot when Steph takes it. Like Booker can pull up for three on fast break. Booker like like four people back and he's the only one back on on the Suns. Or like, you know, something like that. Or a mid range pull up with twenty twenty four seconds or oh, twenty two seconds left on the shot clock. Like Booker can do that because He's hit him before, so you don't mind him taking him. Definitely. I think he like kind of underrated, like athletically, I guess. Like going yeah. downhill or so, he pretty um, hard to stop too. There, but he getting on the Without fast break, or just like maybe running. Um, he has like the defense kind of off guard, going to the paint, and he can finish yeah. over top of everything. So it's like mm-hmm. you just gotta yeah. look for off like just trying to be the rest of like Pat Bev Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Pat Bev definitely. Uh, Pat Bev definitely presented some problems for him. And I mean, honestly, the thing with Pat Bev is, for one, he's like, I mean, we don't, we we give him a, we give him a lot of credit for being a good defender, and, and rightfully so. But another thing too is, in the playoffs, they let you get away with a lot more than they would in the regular season. So Pat, this perfect for Pat Bev to play that physical style of defense that he likes to play. So, I mean, yeah, he's a good defender, but you know. In a lot of other situations, he would have gotten away with. He probably would have been fouled out before then. And then another thing is too. I mean, you got just got to give it to him when a guy's. And then not only were they was Pat Bev, you know, really disrupting my offense, but they were going at him a lot on defense too. Like every time they were looking for the switch on the pick and roll to get Morris in the post with uh Booker. So definitely, I would say uh I mean 
Pat Bev did what he did what he had to do, but hey, we got the win, so I don't mind. I'm super impressed with uh, well, Aiden too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one second. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, bro. Oh, no, you're sorry. I was, I was, I was getting a phone call. That's my bad. Oh yeah. I say, but no, I'm super impressed with Aiden too. Yeah. Like, a lot of the seven footers today, they like they shooter, so mm-hmm. it's kind of rare, like. Today to see a seven footer play every yeah. possession like he's a seven footer. Like every trip he he set the screen and then he straight rolling to the basket, catching the move, taking a mismatch on the block, or if he just got yeah. a big man straight up, he's still in the one of the post for easy buckets, and that's all yeah. And he'll need wait in the longest jumper he'll take might be like a pop out fifteen footer or something. Really. Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. And and I don't know if you ever watch. Uh, I don't know if you ever actually watch like the popular demand pocket. I don't know if you ever watch, but Court has been banging this drum like ever <laughs> ever since we ever since we drafted Aiden with the number one pick. Everybody's like, "Oh man, the son should have taken Trey. Oh man, the son should have taken Luca." But Court is like, "Big man, take time to develop in the NBA." And I'm a, I'm a always because there were times where I even I even were, were like, "Man, I wish we had gotten Luca. I wish we had gotten Trey." And I mean, obviously, team would have been built differently had we gotten those guys. But like, I am, I'm at a point now where I'm completely satisfied, and I'm actually even over, overly joyful. I guess is the word with the Aiden pick because like, he fits. He like, it's rare that you find big men that can fit today's NBA as well as he can. And like, this guy is like, good, good defender in the paint. Was able to hold up with Jokic. Uh, I mean, hold up, whatever you consider holding up with Jokic, even though Jokic was still dropping. Like, yeah, I about to say, even though Jokic <laughs> was still dropping like forty on him, but like you know, uh, he was holding up with Jokic. I mean, has and, and a lot of times you see in the playoffs, especially, a big men become unplayable, and they become to the point where you can't keep them on the floor if they're not able to shoot. This guy, because he's because he's you know he knows that he's seven one, he knows that he's got a height advantage on these guys. He still is able to play. He still is able to play with his uh back to the basket and still able to, you know, get in the paint, get a shot up quickly. I mean, he's shooting, I I want to say close to 70% for the playoffs and averaging a and averaging a double double. And it's and this is also his first playoff, just like it is Booker. So super, super proud of Aiden, super proud of our team thus far. Like we we've just we just really come far. And also, uh I I, I don't know if you were gonna bring this up next. But the addition of Jay Crowder to this team has yes. been has awesome, been major. Man. Has been major. That's my God. Jay Crowder bring that toughness that you need. And every yeah. so often he good to pop off for like five, six threes when you don't expect to use it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean, the thing is, you know pretty much every time Jay Crowder touches the ball, he gon he either is gonna take the shots. He he he's gonna he gonna take some very bad shots. He just gonna hit some of them too. So when I right when you get frustrated with him, he hits one. He'd be like, "Man, I don't know." Like Every you know, time. that's the yeah. experience. So you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That man might break like three open middies, and that's the you know cash like a contested three. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Every time you need him, and what's up, dude? Um, Mikael Bridges too. Yeah, yeah, Mikael Bridges, and you know what? I saw. I saw some of this coming last season with Bridges. A lot of people, you know, a lot of people, I think 
is this Bridges' second? No, this is like his third second. year, I think. Yeah, this is his third year. But yeah, a lot of people his rookie year. I mean, we did some we did some decent drafting, but right before we drafted Bridges, we had drafted players like um right before we had drafted Bridges, we had drafted players like um what's the guy's name? Alex Lynn. Then we drafted uh uh Marquise Chris and both of those were like top both of those were like top five picks. So, you know, we coming off of that and we draft bridges and we like I'm like, man, I don't know. This kid like he fit he looks like he fits today's and oh, we also drafted Josh Jackson. And so I'm thinking, is Mikhail Bridges just gonna be another Josh Jackson for us just never really lives up to his potential? But no, I mean, Bridges, I think is for us exactly what we expected him to be when we drafted him. Like uh just a player who He's just a player who can defend one through four, I would say, and can also, you know, just just a perfect three and D guy, and also, if necessary, can get a bucket. But really, you don't want him. You don't want him to have to do that. But yeah, perfect D, three and D player. And to go along with that, we drafted Cam Johnson two years ago, who has been like lights out for us. Like he he's been one. Yeah, he's been one of our best shooters all season and throughout this playoff run too. So and I think he was he was actually hurt at the end of our Clipper series. I hopefully he can come back with. Cam was but, kind uh, of a, what a lot of people said was like a reach too at the time. Yeah, yeah. Well and I mean that's the that's the thing too. I actually had the discussion with my friend like what's he worth the lottery pick that we took him with? And I mean, granted I would say it's gonna take a little bit more time to say, but like for right now, there aren't any. There aren't a lot of guys who got drafted over him, who you would say. I mean, there aren't a lot of guys who got drafted under him that you would say, "Man, I'd rather have that kid." You know, you know. I would. I think Cam Johnson was very well, like well, wellly drafted. Like in the in the area, he was he was drafted for in a, in a good number. I would say. And I mean, you even though he was a lottery pick, he was like. 13th or 14th, like very end so of, very late, end so of the lottery. lottery exactly, yeah. So, you know, just as long as you can come in, I feel like as long as you can come in and play a role, we got guys, we got, you know, we got the super, we got our superstar. Well, I, I, I won't say he's a superstar yet, but <laughs> we got our star in Booker. We got our other star in Aiden, and then we got Chris Paul. Like, as long as you can come in and play a role, uh, I'm satisfied with your performance. And Monty came in and put everything together perfectly, too. Exactly, exactly. New Orleans, the, the, the Pelicans yeah. should be watching this whole play. Shaking <laughs> head, they let Monty go Some like, what was it, like, front office politics he was telling me about? Something like, and then it was so crazy. I think, I want to say dude got let go because I know he, like, deal with, like, some, like, tragic uh, loss yeah, of his, his yeah, wife, like he did. Um, yeah, yeah, his wife. Yeah, I think his wife like passed in a car accident. But it's crazy because like I want to say he got fired like the same year that it happened, or so, it was something like that. But like, either the same yes, year or the year after. Yeah, something like that. But I mean, you know, it's it's interesting how the coaching carousel works in the NBA because like you see guys like Nate McMillan, Monty Williams, uh, Tyron Lue, like these guys who have shown that they are great coaches. You see them get fired just because the teams don't have any competency around them. Like Pelicans weren't really putting the team together for him to succeed with. And, and then you see the, the playoffs that last year. Exactly. You see the uh you see the Pacers weren't putting anything together for Nate McMillan to succeed with. 
you see the Cavs were like, oh, yeah, we're going to get rid of Tyron Lue because he's the last of the LeBron regime. Like, you know, but like you see these dudes get fired. But as soon as they get around some players who can actually do some decent stuff, look what they do. Make adjustments. They're able to, you know, be able to uh, be good in these high pressure situations. And it's really crazy to me. It's, and I especially love to see like black coaches getting these opportunities as well. I was say, I gotta tell you, I gotta walk back my take on Tyron Luke. Like back when he was with Taylor, <laughs> I was the one of the guys who just thought it was Bron, 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 and Kyrie yeah. and everything. But I gotta mm-hmm. give it to him. My yeah. favorite thing about Lou was my two favorite things. One, if you're not playing well at anything, you will not play unless you fall yeah, or Kawhi. Those are the only two players <laughs> at any point in the playoffs. Yeah. And my second thing is he kind of like an offensive genius. So mm-hmm. as soon as he finds like one small hole in the he gonna exploit defense, it. He's gonna use the life out of it until yep. you can until, until you make an adjustment. Yep. Yeah. Like yeah, and, serious, he realized he could take those bear out the paint and went small and they would just chain them boys to death. And and, and it's so crazy to see like I, I, I really don't understand like like, I understand a lot of these, like, black coaches not getting opportunities, and a lot of coaches in general not getting opportunities. But you got guys like Budenholzer. You got guys like Quinn Snyder. You got guys like Doc Rivers. And, I, I mean, I'm like I'm saying, it's not just it's not just black coaches that, do, that don't do this. But, like, you got these guys who go out there and literally do not know how to make adjustments. Like, and it's crazy. Like, you are a profession. You are a sport of a multi-billion-dollar franchise. And you can't go out there and make adjustments. Like, you see your player isn't doing right. You see that the team is exploiting this different. You see this. And you're still not making adjustments. Where it's, and it, it, just, it just truly shows the difference between competency and incompetency at that, at that position. Like, you got there – no, there is no reason the Jazz should have been able to – well, I mean, I, I, obviously you had Kawhi doing what he was doing. But, like, going up 2-0 – and you let and you let the Clippers come back like that's I I think that's kind of unacceptable for the Jazz and I, they gonna have some tough they no gonna, other game after going up two exactly yeah they gonna it's gonna definitely it's gonna definitely uh, take some adjustments to be made there and it's gonna be tough because they gave Rudy Gobert that next contract and I don't know if they are gonna be able like I don't know if they want to move it or if they'll be able to move it but kind of like Clint Capella was with the Rockets like those guys may be great. Those guys may be great for you during the regular season defensively and all this stuff, but if they become unplayable in the playoffs, like what's the point of having them on the floor? What's the point of having them on your team? And a lot of guys, a lot of coaches is like stubborn, like Doc mm-hmm. and Buddha hosts typically, like they stubborn. They don't want to. Exactly. It's like they see the adjustment. Like Doc saw Ben Simmons targeted who lost them like mm-hmm. two straight games because he couldn't make the free throws. Like James, they lost by like three, four points that if he just made. Three of the ten free throws he took, neither one. Yeah, it's like those guys see that instead of just you know saying forget their ego and just pulling them out the game for maybe a yeah. couple minutes, they just let it rock. Or like Buddha Hoser, who see the bus, who will watch um, Giannis score like eight straight points in the paint, exactly, and then sit there the next five minutes and watch Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton like dribble the air off the ball, won't say nothing. Yeah, you know, I mean, you get, it's like it's, you get paid the coaches to tell guys to stop doing those stupid stuff. It's like y'all just <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. 
and I and I do get it. Like as an NBA coach, it's a fine line between like telling your superstars you can't do this because honestly, in the NBA today, and and I guess in most sports today, but especially in the NBA, the player has more power than the star player has more power than the you know the head coach has. So like if the if the coach makes the player unhappy, and the coach and the player says they want the coach out, they the coach is probably going to be out. Because you can, you it's much easier to replace a coach than it is a star player. So I mean, I definitely get the hesitancy to make some decisions, but like with a team like with a team like the 76ers or the Bucks, like Giannis is not one of those superstars to demand, oh yeah, I need this dude fired. And Ben Simmons, he don't even have a right to demand something <laughs> like that. Like so to take so to take some of these dudes out of the game or say, all right, I need you to make these adjustments, and if they don't go out there and do it, take them out the game. Like I, w- I don't understand. I don't. I really don't understand that some of that stuff. Exactly. Same thing. With, same with thing with Rudy Gobert and the Jazz. Exactly. Especially dudes who you know, already got paid and a coach with already the freshest vintage. Would you know you got the lease? Like, come on, son. Exactly. Let's switch to the Eastern Conference for a little bit. So, how do you feel about the Bucks run? Uh, you know what? I am. I knew once they got I I knew once they got past the Brooklyn Nets that um they had a good chance of making it to the finals. I was actually super I was actually super shocked when the Hawks gave them the series that they did give them because uh I thought once they I knew they were gonna be a little fatigued going after going seven games with the Nets. I definitely do I definitely do feel like a lot of uh I definitely do feel like a lot of what they did has been like a long time coming. It's like all right, Giannis is finally, you know, starting to play like that two-time MVP. Chris Middleton is finally starting to be a little bit more consistent. Then the addition of Drew Holiday just, you know, kind of rounded that team off. And then also the addition of P.J. Tucker being able to defend positions one through five. And then you got, uh, you know, Brooke Lopez finally playing like like he's getting paid to play. But, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been super impressive. It's been super impressive to watch them do what they've done. You know, you hate to see Giannis go down with the injury that he did go down with. Luckily, they still made it to the finals. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say luckily because I didn't really care who came out the East because I thought we were going to be favored <laughs> regardless. But um, but I will say it was good that Giannis – you know, you hate to see a player go down with an injury like that. Hopefully – I saw that he got upgraded to questionable tonight. Hopefully, the books aren't rushing him back because that's not going to do anything for that. That's not going to do anything for him but uh, raise his risk of getting injured again. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's been super impressive. I would say. And I really hate that Giannis got hurt because, like, prior to the injury, I feel like he was finally starting to like really put it all together. Yeah, yeah. And really learned to, and learned to, um, to play the style that's most effective for him. Like he was exactly. finally cutting out on the stupid threes or the um, random long jumpers and just straight every possession he was just to the paint. Right. Finally. Like, the last two games of the um, Brooklyn series, he was just straight to the paint on um, every possession. After Blake yeah. Griffith kind of had him locked up at first, then the rest of the series, he just started, like, torching him. Like, it was just <laughs> yeah. good to see it finally all click for him. Yeah, and, it, and it, you know, it, it was good to see it click for them. And, I mean, you could, a, a lot of the same arguments could be made for them, too. Like, obviously, they were going – well, honestly, I thought, the, I thought the Heat would give them a better series than they did in the first round. They swept the Heat, but – uh, obviously, the next series was going to be tough. And like I said, a lot of things that could be said for them could go for us, too, with the injuries, you know, affecting their team a lot. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, if Katie, I mean, if Kyrie and James Harden are healthy in that second round, maybe we're having a different discussion. And if Trey Young stays completely healthy, maybe we're having a different discussion as well because he, you could obviously tell in that last game six he wasn't himself. But uh, I mean, you could make the same argument for them. But like I, I I'm gonna continue to say this, and something I've always said: injuries are a part of the game. You know, it's 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 how it goes. If if injuries weren't going on. Maybe LeBron has more rings. Maybe, uh, maybe the Warriors have more rings. You know, you know, it's you. You really just can't say what who what would happen. You you can only you can't live in a world of what ifs. You can only live in what you got. Games still gotta be played. So exactly. Ain't like every time somebody get hurt, the you know the conclusion is the game automatically forfeit for the next two or three. So, so you still gotta get on the court and play. So that's what it is. Facts. Well, it's a lot of young guys throughout this whole playoff run that I gained like a lot of respect for. And I like yeah, a lot yeah. more now. I was already I already liked job, but now I'm like really so mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell. Luca. Yeah. Luca's Luca. I said eight. <laughs> yeah, Luca's Luca. Let's <laughs> see what's the kid name on the on the Clippers. Terrence Man. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a big shock when he when he had that crazy game against the Jazz. Like that was that was wild. I was like, Terrence, that was his kid. Like and Terrence Man, like I was telling, I was telling, uh, I was telling Jordan this. Like Terrence Man literally looks like a fourteen year old. Like the kid <laughs> has no facial hair, no mustache, nothing, and like he literally looks like a kid out there. Exactly. Reggie Jackson secured his um best fit deal. I hope, I hope, all right, man, somebody gonna have to drop the bag for Reggie Jackson, bro. I ain't gonna lie. He deserves it. Yeah, he definitely deserves it. I, I, I gotta give it to him. Like, honestly, the, the Clippers, the Clippers showed just how ridiculously deep of a team they are this, this postseason. Like, you got Kawhi down, you got Serge Ibaka down, you got Zubak down, and they still able to, like, keep every game in the series. I think I saw something where a stat where, before we beat them in game six, they hadn't lost a game by double digits all postseason. Like yeah. it's 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 really crazy. But uh to to get back to your point, yeah, a lot of these young guys, like something something I've heard a lot of people say is, what are we gonna do when LeBron retires? What are we gonna do when, you know, KD gets old and when Steph is gone and all this stuff? And I'm like, the league is in good hands, y'all. Like we got some we got some real studs coming up, like uh, like between between Luca, we got Zion if he can ever manage to stay healthy and get to the playoffs, and they get him a decent team around him. You got uh, Booker, Trey Young, John Morant, uh, Donovan Mitchell, like all these guys I'm naming, like under 25 and under. Like it's it's really it's really crazy. Like to think how good these guys are, how young they are. Like the crop of, the crop of talent is only is only getting better. I like that they all that they all like kind of the small markets and like getting the back popping too. Like yep, we saw the yep, ratings yep. as the highest they've been since what they said O two. Uh huh. This year, yep. so these markets who probably really ain't cared about basketball because they teams been bad for like the last decade or so. It's now yep. finally starting to tune in again. Like the Pistons mm-hmm. just got the number one pick, and they got some solid players that are already there too. Like they got they do Brad, they do yeah. Um, Seikau, Sadiq Bay. Yeah, um, that uh, rookie they just drafted. Oh, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Killian. I can't think. Of it. Yeah, Killian Hayes. Killian yeah. Hayes. Yeah. So now you had a number one pick to that. So now it's a whole city of people over there who probably Thanks. ain't watched the NBA in God knows how long. 
now they about to like tune back in if they get it. Yeah, started, yeah. So. That's facts. And uh, and another yeah, like you said, that that's facts. And another thing to go with that is you got the like you said these teams in these small markets. The only thing that the only thing that kind of troubles me and that kind of worries me is the fact that I hope that some of these teams and some of these young kids aren't ruined by incompetent coaching and incompetent front offices. Because I mean, honestly, if before before we got Monty Williams last season, before we got James Jones as our general manager, Booker's career, I was I was really scared that Booker was gonna force a trade. Like like after after he assigned that big deal, I was like, all right, he got his money now. Booker can afford to trade up out of here. I, and I and in my mind, as a, as a Suns fan, I couldn't even blame him because hadn't put any talent around him, hadn't really drafted well, hadn't done anything to make sure that he was happy. So, I mean, I I would I definitely get it, and I hope that some of these situations, like I hope the Pelicans can figure it out around Zion. I hope that the Pistons don't get Kay Cunningham or whoever they draft with the number one pick, and then completely waste the first five or six years of his career. Is and then I like I hope the Mavericks can keep building around Luca because after a while Luca's gonna stop. He's gonna get tired of dropping thirty five and getting any first round exit. He's gonna get sick of it. So, you know, is it, as long as they can continue to have competent front office people running and have competent people, you know, running these franchises and coaching these teams, this 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 league could get a whole lot more interesting. You already see the Pelicans kind of like faltering a little bit with Zion too. Yep, yep. So I hope they get that together. Because like I said, with yeah. him and Luca, you don't want people to tell them, or you don't want them to keep hearing about how they the best of the best in their age range. And then they look over and they see Trey Young and Devin Booker and all these other guys. They probably think they're better than making like exactly. these playoff runs really while they, you know, exactly. sitting at home on the sofa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the same thing that you. Like uh, maybe like Carmelo experienced earlier on in his career, like some of the really good players of our, like some of the really good players of the last generation experience, like a lot of the things they couldn't, they couldn't get over the hump because there wasn't enough talent around them. Whereas you had guys like LeBron who was like carrying the franchise on his, on his back. You had guys like Kobe who always had good management and good coaching around him, you know, just carrying that, carrying that stuff on, carrying that stuff on their back. And it was like, you know, you don't want these guys who are in the, who are young and promising and have all this talent to feel like they're to, to, you know, feel like they have to force their way to a big market to different teams just because, just because they can't get the competency around them. And I, and I think, and I, and I do think we're headed in a good direction. I think that a lot of these teams now feel the pressure from these young players to think that, all right, we gotta. All right, we gotta get this right, or we know we're gonna lose our superstar. Exactly. They know they can't just sit on it no more. Yeah. Exactly. Like the, war, like the Warriors, they don't got a young talent, but they gotta, you know, really get to it with somebody. You know, they, they want Steph yeah. to really retire. Them. Mm-hmm. Especially after they right. kind of like they took the wrong player in Wiseman when Melo was right there. Yeah, and that was they, yeah. They just missed the playoffs because couldn't nobody but Steph get a bucket. But mm-hmm. Draymond out there refusing to shoot the ball for God knows what. <laughs> <laughs> man, man, I don't know. As bad as he was shooting, I don't even blame him, bro. Like, and now they just been gifted two lottery picks, so they got you all the hey. time bro, with two lottery picks. So now it's like you got a, you got another chance to right the wrong that you yeah. did last season. But we're gonna see how a lot of this play out, bro. But we're in a good space, I think. 
Yeah, I definitely, yeah, I definitely feel like we're in a good place with with basketball right now. Like, I I genuinely think like every like I don't I don't know. Well, we'll we'll see with the Brooklyn Nets. We'll see if they can ever like stay healthy or whatever. But like with we'll we'll see moving forward. I I don't think we're gonna have a dynastic team unless somebody builds another super team anytime soon. Like, cause it's so much talent dispersed across the entire NBA to the point where you don't necessarily have a team that's like overwhelmingly better than any other team. And the team that you did have that would have been like the, the Brooklyn Nets just couldn't stay healthy. Just couldn't stay healthy. That's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes also. Yep. You gotta roll with it. So like I said we talk about the young players that impress. There's a couple of players who on contract years that didn't even impress me. Well, okay. So in your opinion, would you pay John Collins if you were left? Uh I so I'm gonna say this. It is if John Collins is asking for max money, the thing is I don't know if anybody in the league is gonna give him max money. Yeah. But I, I I mean I would say I would definitely say John Collins was an important part of that team. I would say that uh he's kinda he's kinda like one of behind Trey, obviously. He's probably like I would say like the heart and soul of the team in terms of the morale and if yeah. if they go they go as he goes type thing, but uh, yeah, I mean, John Collins is definitely gonna demand a bag after this after this uh after this playoff run, and he had a lot to, he had a lot to do with it because yeah. on the nights where Bogdanovich and uh Kevin uh Kevin Herter weren't having good good games, guess who was still keeping them in it? Trey Young and John Collins. So you know, I yeah. uh would I would I give him. Depends on. I would say he's probably gonna demand. Oh, that's a lot of money to pay him, man. But I was thinking like maybe somewhere in the twenty to twenty-five million range. But I mean, that's that's a lot of money, and you and you're gonna have to. The thing is, he's gonna have to commit to wanting to. He's gonna have to commit to the defensive end if he gets that. If he gets that, and he's also gonna have to expand his offensive game as well. But I mean, he's one. I, I would say you drafted him with a high draft pick. He's one of your franchise's cornerstones. I think you got to go ahead and pay him. But they also got um, Cam Reddish and what's his name? RJ Hunter knocking on the door. And the um, rookie big man they just drafted, what's his name? On, on Yekka, I think he's pronounced. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So when you but I mean, that in, you're kind of you're a little dicey. That, that, is, that is true. But the thing with the. Uh, the thing with the the center, the the young center is we don't know how good he is because he looked, looked like really didn't even play much this season. Yeah, and also, well. yeah. And another thing too is uh with that uh Clint Capella. With the with the thing is they got Clint Capella there, and they like you said the contracts the contracts gonna be rolling around soon for Clint Capella as well. And as well as he played, they're gonna they're gonna want to keep him around. So. Uh, like it's gonna, it's definitely, it's definitely gonna get tough, and not to mention the fact that Trey Young, they gonna have to pay him as well. Trey getting the bag as soon. As, oh yeah, as soon oh, as yeah. the clock strikes as... midnight, they hit. <laughs> yeah, they just hit the bank account. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's a given, but it's just, it's just really crazy to think like, yeah, they got, some, they definitely got some decisions to make, and. I think they gonna probably want to. Oh no, no, Rondo is on the team. I'm tripping. Uh, <laughs> who did they? Who did they trade? Who did they trade? Uh, Rondo. Lou Will. Lou Will. Yeah, and I don't know. Uh, they probably gonna want to dump that Lou Will contract because I mean, though he played good for him, I think a lot of what he did could be replaced. 
Absolutely. And you still got um, they signed Jalen already got him for like, what, another two years too, and by Donovich for another couple years. So they got some time to play yeah. with them. Exactly. But if you do let uh, if you do let Clint Capella go, it might be the most replaceable. Especially since you do got that rookie bid that's that's like sitting on the bench waiting for a chance. So if yeah. you do let Clint go, you can either just roll with the other young boy, you know, yeah. just bear through with him, or you can like uh, maybe go small for like a year or so to start all three of the wings with Reddish, Hunter, and uh, Kevin. Yeah. So yeah, so they got some options. Not really set in stone for them, so we don't see. Yeah, definitely. Who else? So, what does Philly go with Ben Simmons? Uh, so this is the thing. This is the thing with Ben Simmons. Uh, I am. I'm very, very hesitant. I if I were the if I were the seventy sixers. I'm very hesitant to, you know, just straight up give him up for nothing. But I would say, I would say that he, I would say that he, the the, the matchup, the, the dual, the, what's the word I'm thinking of? The, the combo of him and Joel Embiid, we've seen it for long enough. It's not going to work. But what the 76ers need to do and what they, what, what I think they plan to do is he's holding out he's holding out Olympics this season to he's holding out Olympics this season to work on his individual game, so he says. And also he's supposed to be seeing a sports psychologist, all of those stuff. The 76ers need to do everything that they absolutely can to drive up his value this <laughs> offseason and maybe even the start of next season. But because at right because right now Ben Simmons has like an all I would say an all-time low value. And nobody's gonna nobody's gonna really want to trade for him unless he shows some signs of unless he shows some signs of improvement or he shows some signs of uh, at least at least willingness to change. And right now, I mean, a lot of people have said, you know, uh, you know, I've seen some tweets, street saying that Ben Simmons peaked his rookie season. You know, <laughs> that I, I see I've seen a lot of that. So I mean, you know, uh, maybe maybe we have that, but. I don't know. I, I definitely don't think that the Hawks can just straight up continue to run it back the way that they have and think that it's going to work, especially with a coach like Doc who isn't going to make no adjustments. But uh, <laughs> but I would say I would definitely say that um, they need to they need to try to move him. I don't know what the market will be for him right now. Like I said, it's probably the all time low right now when they which is crazy when they could have gotten James Harden for him. Like <laughs> when they could have gotten James Harden for him, but obviously Harden wasn't, I don't know if Harden was ever going to play in Philly, but uh, I would, I mean, I would, I would say they need to move him. What What about you? What do you think? I would say they need to move him too. But at this point, I don't know what you're moving for. Cause you exactly. could have got to, to like a couple of years ago, you asked, I was told you Simmons was the one. I thought he was yeah. really going to be like the next LeBron if he just started eventually like shooting some type of jumper. But he said exactly. He just said nah. So it is what it is. But I don't know what you can trade him for. I guess you could trade him for like maybe a 
second or third tier, like player. I don't know if you get an all star from right now. Yeah, like, you could definitely it's, get like a high quality starter or two, like a handful yeah. draft pick. Well, and see that's and, that, and see that's the thing. When you draft the player for one, you want to see them succeed with your team. But something you definitely don't want to see is that player. You pay that player, then they get drafted by another team. They get drafted by another team, and they I don't even know that they, they you trade that player after you paid them, and then they go to another team and succeed. Like, what if they trade Ben Simmons this offseason and the individual work he's doing on his game actually pays off and he goes out and has an MVP season next year? San Francisco is gonna be looking like dumb, they're gonna be looking horrible. But I mean, that's kind of like you said earlier, it's kind of how to cook, cook it crumble sometimes because. A lot of times players succeed and just can't succeed in your system. Like we've seen, I mean, like something I've experienced personally as a Suns fan, Josh Jackson didn't do shit for us. <laughs> but like as soon as we traded him to Detroit or wherever he was this season, he had like a couple of like as soon as he because he was like in our he was on like our G League team. But as soon as we got him to another, as soon as we got him to another market, he like was able to um he was able to play well. Yeah. That's how it goes sometimes. So you, you kind of got to eat it. Yeah. It, facts. And I mean, well, especially like you say, if you can get a, if you can get like a tier two starter, maybe a, maybe a player who can come in and, you know, feel that shooting role that you need around Ben Simmons. I would definitely say that I would definitely say it's worth it, but you just don't, I don't want to give him up right now when his value is so low, you know? And one of the more like popular trades I keep seeing is um trading him to Portland for CJ. Yeah. So I'm, so I'm not really <laughs> sure how much that raises the seventy sixes value. Exactly. You kinda of like kind of get like another smaller guard who's not really a known defender. But I think that exactly. does make and that makes Portland like marginally better. It doesn't really boost their stock like all the time. Right. Either. So it's mm. kind of like a lateral move there, basically. It is the only the only difference the only reason I see that the only reason I see that move could possibly work is maybe because like CJ McCollum is a guy who is pretty much the opposite of what Ben Simmons is can't defend can get his own shot is not afraid at all to shoot and we saw a lot of games last year when especially in the bubble for sure when um when um Dame wasn't on or when Dame like had an off quarter or an off half or something like that, CJ McCullum was picking up right behind him. If you can maybe couple CJ McCullum with like a pick or something, then I think then I think that helps out. And I like I don't know how that works in, in for the Blazers with having Dame and um having Dame and Ben Simmons because I don't think that works but if you're just looking for a complete reboot and you're getting ready, and they, and you feel like you got to get rid of Dame, and you got, and you feel like you got to get rid of CJ. Then bringing in Ben Simmons, letting him be your cornerstone moving forward. He's already paid. Just build a team around him. I, I can see it happening. And another, and, and and one more thing too to go along with the reason I feel like it could possibly work for the 76ers is because Thibault was our defensive second team. I feel like he can kind of fill in the defensive hole that you would lose in those defensive minutes with Ben Simmons because Thibault came off the bench. And you and Embiid one of the best um, defenders in the league too. Exactly. And he just keep fresh out like an MVP caliber season. He probably would have liked being your healthy. Hadn't got injured, yeah. Yeah. So you get tired with like trail the perimeter guys. 
and then you got Embiid right. back there cleaning everything up, and you get uh-huh. somebody like CJ who can actually go out there, like you said, get a bucket, and who's yeah. the, kind of the self-creator they need on that team. Then you yeah. might have to just go ahead and you know, send that one out there if it's on the table. All right, one last team, the Knicks. Does Julius mm-hmm. Randle get paid this summer, or would you wait another year to see if he's really that guy, especially after the well, uh, playoff blunder? That's a that's that's facts. And so the thing is, you can't you can't solely blame Julius Randle for that playoff blunder because for one, yeah, he didn't play that well, but when a team knows that you are the sole guy on that team, they can focus in on you, especially in a playoff series where especially in a playoff series where um where they have they're they're playing the same team over and over again and they can focus in on all right we know we gotta stop this guy if we can stop him nobody else on the team can really get their own shot. So I would say hold off on paying him until next season because regardless I feel like regardless of what happens this season, it's gonna be hard for him to top last season, no matter what you do. No matter what you do, it's gonna be hard for him to top this season. And I would say even after this season, he doesn't deserve a max contract. Or he doesn't deserve, like, well, he deserves a good amount of money, but he doesn't deserve, like, you know, like, super max, like, high-level high max money type 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 money. So I would say that uh, hold off, and if he has the same season he had this year, all right, cool, we're just going to pay him what we were going to pay him last year. If he has a worse season, then, hey, you don't got to pay him, and you save some money. In the very off chance that he has an even better season next season and they actually do better in the playoffs, <laughs> hey, you got your you got your you got your corner, you got your cornerstone potentially. So I definitely say I if I were the Knicks, I would definitely hold off. And if I'm being honest, if I'm the Knicks, I'm making every push I can to get Chris Paul this offseason. I'm trying to get Chris Paul, I'm offering him whatever he wants to come and play for me for the next two or three years, come turn my franchise around and do exactly what you did for the Thunder the year before and do what you did for the Suns last year. Because it's uh, Chris Paul is saying that he's going to decline his player option. And obviously, I'm sure that's because he wants more long-term security. He wants to be able to make more than that. Because, I mean, I think he was due to make $45 million in this next player option. But he knows now he can get up to, I mean, honestly, the Suns, we probably going to have to pay him at least $25 million a year after this season. So I, w- I would say uh, – I would say um, – I would say if I'm the Knicks, hold off, try to get Chris Paul, see if we can see if we can get Chris Paul, maybe get a few more shooters and a couple of guys who can maybe create a shot around 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 Julius Randle. Let him go out there and do what he does. And also another another leverage tool is if we can get Chris Paul and he comes and he leads us to the playoffs, then that's more leverage for us as the Knicks. Because now we don't have to pay you as much because you weren't the difference maker. Chris Paul was. Yeah, and there's so, a lot of guys on the market this summer. Not just Chris Paul. Too, like it could snatch up Kyle Lowry for all we know. Facts, he might facts, come in the yeah. guard and get it all rocking. Or they might exactly. swing the fences and go trade for Dame if he really won the ass hey, Yeah, if he, had, you know, if he you know, actually demands the trade, I definitely could yeah. see that happen. So, um, keep the books open for another year. Just in case. Yeah. So I would I would definitely say I would definitely say hold off on making that trade. I mean the two things that we've heard from the Knicks since the beginning of the time was two max slots. So just keep those <laughs> two keep those two max slots open and hope that hope that you can get 
even though Julius Randle has shown that he can be a great player, hopefully you can get one of those superstars that can truly change your franchise. And the thing is, the Knicks always insert themselves into this upper echelon of teams that everybody wants to go to. Nobody has ever hasn't taken nobody's taken the Knicks seriously since Carmelo in terms of wanting to go there. And one of the things that we uh and one of the things that we have to realize is the thing the best thing that the Knicks could have done for themselves as a franchise is play the way that they did this year. Turn it around, play their own style of basketball, be a good defensive team, and just have a guy who can come through and get you 25, 20, 10, and five a night. And you got a young player in RJ who's only what his yep. second year. Yeah, actually yep, made some strides this season too. Exactly. So he can come back and put on, yeah. make like another leap, small leap another last leap, year. Yeah. Find some consistency, keep yeah. improving defensively. Then you know you got a little bit of wiggle room to work with. Exactly. And then you drafted, you drafted Emmanuel quickly. He looked like yeah. one of the best rookies. So I mean, Definitely. keep. I would say as the Knicks stop reaching for the pipe dream that everybody wants to pay for playing the guard and all this other stuff. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep keep grinding. Stay down till you come up, like like they say. But uh, you know, just keep keep doing what you're doing. Stop saying that. Oh yeah, we're gonna get this superstar. We're gonna get this superstar. I remember like the off season. There was one off season. Oh yeah, la- the last off season. They're like, yeah, we finna get KD and Kyrie. Not and this past off season, but yeah, we finna get KD, Kyrie, and Zion. Like finna have a super team and ended up getting. Julius Randle and I think Todd Gibson or something like that. Yeah. So, so like, yeah, definitely. Just uh, I mean, they're they're building the right way, and I think they have a competent front office. Still think they need to find a way to make the owner sell that team. But uh, but yeah, uh, if they can if they can uh keep building, they got a good GM right now. Got a good front office going. Got some good things going. And uh, one another thing, I'm always go back to. I love that they're all black. Uh, but yeah, definitely. Um, something that, something that I um am, am in favor of, and the way the way that that building looks good now, just keep drafting well. And if you keep drafting well, Julius Randle keeps playing like he's playing. I promise the opportunity for you to get one of our superstars will come around, or maybe you'll even draft him. We didn't think we were gonna get Booker with. We didn't think we were gonna get Booker with a 13th pick, and look what he's turned into. So you know, sometimes things just fall in your lap. Exactly. Might be, they might not be looking for, but they might wake up one day. Such and such has requested a trade. He got the nips on the list. The exactly. Value, the, uh, the value kind of shrinked a little bit, so they just throw it out there, see what they can get, and boom. Yeah. I had herself a little nice roster for the load. So. Exactly. Never know, man. You never know. All right, before we get so what's your official final prediction? Sons and uh, I'm going to say. Suns and Suns and six. I think we take game. I think we take game one tonight. I think even though they've upgraded Giannis from doubtful to questionable, Giannis does not play tonight. I think he probably plays game two, but I definitely say Suns take game one tonight, and we take uh and we take the series in no no more than six. I don't want it to go seven, but uh, <laughs> definitely I think Suns and six. Uh, uh, see, I could see you going either way on. I just see y'all winning this since even if Giannis is healthy. But well, obviously, if you're not healthy, I think y'all winning this since. Yeah, yeah. If, I mean, and I, I, I can see Giannis getting like maybe 78% of himself and the Bucks taking it in six. If, yeah, if he gets like maybe 
two to three competent games from both Chris and Drew together in a row, which seems yeah. like kind of scarce at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's gonna be a good one. I'm happy for whoever went though. Chris Paul and them boys did their first ring. Giannis yeah, his first ring if the Bucks win. So, and we don't got no stupid <laughs> yeah. like media narratives driving this final. None at all. This is which is crazy. Like. And uh, I was actually listening for a conspiracy theory. Early, somebody said a conspiracy theory earlier. You know, usually after the conference finals, there's like a week in between the conference finals and the finals. And they were saying how it's only been like three or four days. And they're saying that they're pushing the narrative that they just want to go ahead and get the games going because there's not any wild narrative that people are pushing coming up into the finals. But, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely love it. Love my team being this good, but also just love a fresh and new finals matchup anyway. And we go. I said I tweeted yesterday. I said it's the quietest the media has ever been before, like with a big game on the verge. Facts. And I ain't heard Stephen A. Smith shouting about nothing the past like couple of days. Nick Wright, exactly. made, Nick Wright ain't been on my timeline about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's quiet out there. <laughs> nah, he, he's been he's been very quiet for sure. Well, I feel you. So Suns and six. So we gonna see. All right, yeah, in, the end, in the end, every show I do a top five segment. Where I ask you a couple questions and get your personal top five on. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, ready? All right. First off, the generic basketball question. Get your five favorite players up. Five favorite players ever. Uh, I'm gonna take Steve Nash. I'm gonna take LeBron. I'm gonna take oh, that's tough. Uh, Steve Nash, LeBron. Definitely, I guess I'll throw Booker in there for right now. Um, for my up to date, my current favorite guys, and actually, uh, Indiana Paul George is one of my favorite players ever. And I mean, I guess. Technically, still saying Paul George, but uh, I take uh, I take Paul George, and then uh, the last guy I would say would be uh, I'm gonna take. That's tough. <laughs> uh, let me get. Mm, I was always a big. I was always a big. Uh, Mm, oh no, that's tough. Let me let me get back to you on that fifth guy. Let me get back to you on that fifth guy. Alright, <laughs> uh, let me get your top five favorite artists right now. Top five favorite artists. Uh right now I'ma take J. Cole, obviously, especially after his last album. Then I got got Lil Baby. I got Moneybag. I got uh I guess you could throw a raw wave in there. And somebody who I feel like people are sleeping on right now. I'm trying to think of a sleeper right now. Uh, definitely one of my favorite guys right now is Polo G. I take Polo G. I heard Polo G. So I ain't that yeah, Polo G for sure. All right, the last one. So y'all boys doing a video game wave. Be straight, man. <laughs> Get your five favorite games. Uh, so be, I'm actually. Any console. Honestly, I'm not even a huge I'm not even a huge video game guy, but I would say uh I'm a, I'm gonna go a little old school because I uh hadn't played honestly, I haven't had a game in like 2 years cuz my game got stolen, I just never bought another one cuz I was like, "All right, I'm gonna get the PS5 when it come out." And I didn't think the PS5 was gonna be this hard to get when it came out. <laughs> but uh definitely. So I would say 
definitely. Are we doing 2K as a like NBA 2K as a franchise, or am I saying an individual 2K? Uh, individual. All right, so I'm gonna definitely say 2K16. Then I'm gonna take Mario Kart. I'm gonna take uh, I guess Madden. You could throw Madden in there. Uh, then Tekken. Tekken Six. That was one of my favorite Tekkens. <laughs> and then and then Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Uh, any Mortal Kombat, honestly. But yeah, that was. I would say. I would say that was my top five games for sure. Uh, did I say? Did I say? Did I say Mario Kart? Yeah, you said Mario Kart. Yeah, Mario Kart. Top top tier. One of my favorite games all the time. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, back in the day, like in middle school, we used to have the, you know, how you think up on a DS and play? Yeah. And we used to be on the bus going crazy on the Mario Kart. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember we used to go on, we used to go on field trips, bro. Yeah. Mario Kart <laughs> tournaments going dumb. The whole trip. <laughs> Are you got that fifth player ready yet? Uh, part of me really wants to say, part of me really wants to say, Larry Bird, but I don't think that's even true. I don't even think that's my, I don't think that's one of my favorite players. Uh, I'm much I'm much more of a I'm much more of a lover of the game, the individual players. So I I'll say I'll say so. What did I give you at first? LeBron, Steve Nash. I know I said Booker, Paul George, and Paul George. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess I'll throw Larry Bird in there. Still one of my favorite players. Super skilled. I'm just a big fan of guys who. Are super skilled, got like that court vision, and not super athletic guys. Like I've I've always been a fan of guys like this. You are, but I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you for having me. No problem. Good luck to y'all in the finals. You tell us who yes, we can sir. find popular demand of what days y'all drop. Oh yeah, so uh, definitely uh, we kind of been kind of been uh lagging off as of late because we uh hadn't had as much content with you know music. Music's been kind of dry. But uh, definitely um, check us out at Podcast Demand on Twitter. And I think I'm pretty sure that's all uh, social media platforms. But check us out there. Check us out on YouTube, Popular Demand Podcast. Uh, any any streaming service that you listen to, definitely check us out. So appreciate it, though. All right, bet.